This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Heifel, lead pastor here at Grace River Church, and I want to say thank you so much for watching online at home today. We are in the middle of our prayer series, 15 Days of Prayer, and so as a church, uh, we're praying 15 days straight as a church to see what God would do in our midst, and so I just want to say thank you so much for joining us online today. I hope that you're off uh, to a great new year now that we're in the middle of January. Uh, I'm asking the question, how's that all going for you, right? And so what we've noticed about the new year is that the problems of 2022 followed you into 2023. And the reason why that happened is, is uh, it, it has to be more than just new year, new you, right? Because the problem with that philosophy of new year, new you is you're still there, right? And so uh, we know that the, one of the best ways we can usher in change into our life uh, really the way to usher in real change into our lives is to do it centered around God, to say, man, God's a priority in my life. And one of the ways that we make God a priority in our lives is that we begin to pray. And I know that can seem really weird, right? Like, how do you talk to God? How do you pray? And so uh, we're spending some weeks here talking through how it is that you can develop intimacy with God, how it is that you can develop a prayer life uh, around God that isn't just me, 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 me prayers, uh, but, but our prayers that are centered in humility. And so actually that's what today's talk is really all about is how do I approach God with the right kind of heart? Uh, because heart has everything to do with uh, whether or not God hears our prayers. And so uh, obviously God hears everything that we do, but if we come to God with the wrong kind of heart, if we come to God with a selfish heart or a prideful heart, in fact, the Bible even tells us that God opposes the proud, which means God is in direct opposition with a person that is full of themselves. And so uh, our hope is that you would be full of Jesus, that you'd be full of Christ, that he would increase in your life this year and that you would decrease. Uh, I got a pastor friend that posted on Facebook this week and he said, I really think New Year's resolutions should be uh, put off and established in the middle of January, not at the beginning of January. And I thought, man, that is so wise. I think that is so true. Whether you're a resolution person or a goal person or whatever kind of person you are, I think that it's better to wait till the holidays have worn off a little bit uh, and you're back into the normal routine of your life and then go, okay, what is new in my year this year? What am I going to do this year differently than I did last year? And the very fact that you're watching today says something about your spiritual development and your spiritual growth. And so I just want to say thank you so much for watching online today. Let's jump right into this talk. We're actually going to be uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 18. And so Luke uh, recorded uh, some of the different parables and stories that Jesus would tell. And we're going to dive right into one of those stories in Luke chapter 18, actually starting in verse 9. And this teaches us a ton, uh, not necessarily about the system of prayer, but teaching us instead about the heart of prayer. What kind of heart attitude should we go to God in prayer? What should we not do and what should we do? And so uh, Jesus is the master teacher. I mean, really, uh, one of the things that Jesus is super well known for is how well he could take a top shelf issue, something that's really complicated, and bring it down to a level where everybody could understand it. And so let's jump right into this. Luke chapter 18, we'll start in verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some uh, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. And so he's telling a story to people who had great confidence uh, in their own righteousness, which, by the way, this is not a good thing. Uh, that they had great confidence in their own righteousness meant that they were counting on themselves, that they were prideful 
uh, about where they were at on their own journey. And, uh, and we notice here, and he scorned everyone else. He so he tells this story. Luke is setting this up. Here's the story Jesus tells. Two men went to the temple to pray. So uh, we're in a prayer series, and I uh, thought this is appropriate because it's a story about prayer. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. And the other was a despised tax collector. And so uh, you've got two people and they both go to the temple or a house of worship to go pray. And you have a Pharisee that's there and Pharisees would have been very well known in the temple. And so uh, they would have been uh, leaders in the temple. They would have been people that uh, in, in the first century church, this would have been people they, that would have been relied upon, called upon. Uh, people that were trusted and people that were elevated uh, and kind of looked at as these are the religious elite. So you have a Pharisee in the temple, and then you also have a tax collector. And so tax collectors were the exact opposite. In fact, in most temples, tax collectors wouldn't have even been allowed to sit in the temple. And so uh, a first century hearer of this story would have been shocked to hear there was even a tax collector in the room, in the space, that a tax collector would even take time to even pray. And I don't know what's happening in this tax collector's life, uh, but we know this, tax collectors didn't have lots of friends. Uh, they were Jewish men uh, that were hired by the Roman government to collect taxes from Jewish people. And so you can imagine all of the conflicts of interest there. And so as a result of that, tax collectors uh, were not people that were invited over for dinner. They were not people that were invited to the temple for worship. Uh, and they didn't really even uh, need God because they had money and possessions and all of those things. They were looked upon as greedy people uh, that wouldn't have been uh, allowed or even uh, that wanted to be in the temple. And so, but for whatever reason, this day, the, the way the story is set up by Jesus is that this, this tax collector is trying to worship the same God that the Pharisee is trying to worship. Uh, and they both need God. And the interesting way this story plays out, only one of them gets to get God, which is really amazing to think about. And what I love is there's a twist to this story because every time Jesus tells a story, when there's a good person and a bad person, a good guy and a bad guy, it is astonishing because it's typically the bad guy that gets to be with God. And that is the kind of upside down kingdom that Jesus talks about over and over and over again in the Bible. In fact, Jesus' harshest warnings were not to people that were rebellious. His harshest warnings were to people that were religious. And I think today the same would be true. Is religious people and rebellious people both aren't really doing what God wants them to do. Overly religious people and overly rebellious people both don't get God. And this is, and stick with me for a minute because you're like, wait, wait, wait a second, I'm a religious person. What, is that, what do you mean by that? So let me, let me explain in the, in the verses to come. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself. So they're back, we're back in the temple, right? So play this out in the theater of your mind. Jesus is telling the story. The Pharisee is standing by himself in solidarity. He's, you can picture this person as like near the stage. Like he's, he's prideful. He's, he's got his shoulders thrown back. And he's, he's standing by himself and he's praying. And he prays this prayer. There's a very big problem with the prayer that he prays. Look at what he says. He says, I thank you, God. And after this, everything goes bad. I don't know if any of what his prayer was intended for God at all beyond this, because it takes a dramatic shift here. He says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like the other people. Wow. 
Okay, so it automatically just off on comparison. So I'm, I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner. I'm not an adulterer. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. And I don't know if he's praying out loud, but wow. I mean, he looks over and looks at the tax collector. I, I picture the tax collector like in the back of the room. Like he's not in a place where he wants to be seen. And, and the Pharisee says, God, thank you that I'm not like these other sinners. These, they, they're cheaters, they're adulterers, and especially God. Thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Now, what, what's the problem with this? The, the problem with all of this is he's comparing himself to other people. He's, he's talking about, his, he'll talk next about his achievements. Look, look, look what he says. He says, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And so he's just talking about all of the things that he's doing for God. And we say this all the time at Grace River, but the good news of the gospel is not something you achieve. It's something that you believe and receive. And so uh, those of us that grew up in religious circles, you were taught this idea that uh, you have to be religious, you have to do these achieving things, go to this class, be baptized, do, 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 and then God will accept you. And what's amazing about the gospel, and really what's amazing about this story, is it's not about what you achieve. It's about believing and receiving what's already been done for you. What's wild about this story is it's, it's, the, it's the rebellious person. It's the tax collector that actually gets to be heard by God. It's the tax collector that's actually justified or made right with God. And it's, it's the religious Pharisee that doesn't really get to have God. So we go on to see that he says, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And so in verse 12, he's saying, this, this is what I do for you. And by the way, in the Old Testament, uh, they, they were never, there was never established in the law of the Old Testament to fast more than once a year. But here he is fasting not only, not, not only once a week, but twice a week. He's, he's got a point to prove that he's super holy, that he's super religious, that he is the, the most valuable prayer on the team. He's the MVP, right, or whatever. Uh, but like, I fast twice a week. And then he goes on to say, I'm, not, I'm generous. I give away a tenth of my income. So he, he's giving away a tenth of what God has given him. Uh, and he's saying, I'm being super generous as a result of that. And he loses all of these points because he talks about them. But then in verse, in, in, in verse, thir in verse 13, um, he, he's, but the tax collector, this is an interesting contrast here. So again, you have the Pharisee who's super prideful about all the things that he's done for God and all the things that he hasn't done. And then you, now, now you have the tax collector. So the tax collector stood at a distance. Again, he didn't stand near the stage. He stands at a distance and he dared, look at, look at his posture here. He dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. So he, he, he realizes that he doesn't deserve to be in God's presence. Like he won't even lift his eyes towards heaven. And then he, he beats his chest in sorrow saying this. He doesn't say much. Notice the eloquence of his prayer though. He says, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That's all he says. He doesn't talk about who he is. He doesn't talk about who he isn't. He simply just says, God, have mercy on me. And he says, I'm a sinner. Like, he's, he's essentially saying, God, I, the word mercy here, what, he, what that word means is, God, I need your atonement. That's what that word means. Is I, and atonement simply means, God, I need you to be my substitute, that I needed someone to die in my place. And so, uh, and then in verse 14, Jesus speaks up and he says, I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified 
before God. The word justified just simply means made right. So the, the, in, the two, in the story, there's two characters, right? There's the Pharisee, the ultimate religious person, right? Who's prideful, full of pride, all of that. And then there's the, the, then there's the tax collector who feels like he doesn't even deserve to be in God's presence. And which one of the two end up getting God? For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, Jesus says, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Essentially what Jesus is saying is those that recognize their need for God will get God. But those who think that they're God will never get God. Now, I know that's a lot, but let's talk and unpack that for a minute. The problem with pride is this, though. Pride focuses on your behavior, not on your character. So pride focuses, when I, when I pray prideful prayers, when I approach God with pride, when I live a prideful life, I am very focused on the exterior of my life and the exterior of other people's lives. And I'm not so concerned about what's going on internally, like what is happening in my heart, what is happening in other people's heart. And instead of what we do is we pass judgment on people because they don't behave the way we should behave. Maybe they don't vote the way that we think they should vote. Maybe they don't live the lifestyle that we think that they should live. Well, if you're a Christian, what I would tell you is this, is that there are some people that aren't Christians that are playing by a different set of rules. And that really shouldn't shock us because Jesus isn't the Lord of their life. He's the Lord of your life. And so if he's the Lord of your life, Jesus talks a ton about, about the inside of our cup, not the outside of our cup. And my question to you today, if you follow Jesus, is simply this, is how is the inside of your cup? Is it dirty? Is it filthy? Have you spent so much time making yourself look good on the outside to others that you haven't spent enough time focusing on what's going on on the inside of your cup? And here's the thing, man. It's time for us as followers of Jesus to say, okay, God, I, I'm done being prideful. I repent of my pride and I just want you. Now, again, back to the, the, the prayer of the, of the Pharisee in verse 11, just to recap. The Pharisee stood by himself, prayed this prayer. I thank God that I'm not like other people. And maybe you, maybe you haven't prayed that, but I venture to say you may have thought it. And the longer you know Christ, the more we, are, more we have a tendency, and this is kind of an exaggerated story, but the longer we know Christ, the more we have a tendency to compare ourselves to people that maybe don't have Christ uh, or to people that are, that are earlier on in their faith. And what I would tell you is this, the Bible tells us that it's foolish to compare ourselves among ourselves. That essentially, the only measuring stick for my life is Christ. And so, instead of focusing on everybody else, focus on your own heart. And so, God, thank you that I'm not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that, like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And so, notice what he doesn't say. This is super interesting because all of his words have to focus, all the words that the Pharisee has here are focused on his outside behavior. It, he doesn't say, notice this, it has nothing to do with what's going on with his character. He doesn't say, God, thank you for making me a gentle person. God, thank you for making me kind. God, thank you for making me patient and loving. Like, none of that is mentioned. And by the way, these are the fruit of someone that really follows Christ. He mentions none of those things. Instead, he's proud about what he wasn't. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner. I'm not an adulterer. And I would venture to say... More than likely, he's actually all of these things. But what I, what, I, what I want to look at is he's proud about what he does. He fasts and he gives. And so his prayer and his heart, his entire posture is all about pride. 
And what I would tell you is this, is that I said it earlier, but God opposes a prideful heart. So if you want your prayers to be heard, and if you want intimacy with God, you can't be intimate with God and be full of pride. Because at the heart of pride is, look at what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. Look at what, look at, look at what I've accomplished with my life. And what God wants is humility. God wants you to recognize that it was him that did all of that. And so there really are two kinds of people out there. There are those that are self-righteous and those that are rebellious. And the harsh reality is, is both types of these people reject God. And the rebellious, I said this earlier, but the rebellious are often the ones that end up getting to be with God. And that, that's the way this upside-down kingdom works. And so I think that there is a problem to pride that needs to be solved. And the danger behind a self-righteous prayer life, the danger behind a self-righteous attitude is that we miss God and we don't even know it. I mean, at least rebellious people know that they're screwing up. At least rebellious people know they're running the opposite direction from God. But I think sometimes we put on self-righteousness and it creeps into our life and the tragedy is we don't even see it. And I wonder today, is, is that what's happening with you? Or maybe today you're, you are that rebellious person that's running away from God. And I want you to know, God came for you. God came for the self-righteous. God came for the rebellious. And I wonder how long it is that you'll decide that you're going to reject God. Maybe today's the day that you humble yourself. Because both, both groups, whether it's the self-righteous or the rebellious, need humility. Both groups need to come under this idea of, okay, God, I've been in charge for too long. I'm ready for you to be in charge. So let's solve the problem with pride. Can I give you just some, some quick ideas of how you could solve the problem? The first way you solve the problem with pride is simply repent of your pride. And repentance is a big word that just says, I'm sorry, that you would just tell God. And in a moment, we're going to have uh, some, some prayer, and together we're going to kind of like pray. And I want to give you the opportunity to just talk to God on your own. But like, repent of your pride to say, God, I'm, I'm sorry that that I've made my life what I've made it about. That maybe you wouldn't pray the prayer of the Pharisee, like you're not quite that self-righteous, but you've caught yourself comparing yourself to other people. You've caught yourself comparing yourself to coworkers, to family members, right? You've, you've, to neighbors, you've, you've caught yourself comparing. And maybe today's the day that you go, I'm done comparing myself to others. I'm done living a prideful life. And instead, I'm gonna do the hard work of working on my character. The hard work of working on the inside of my cup, not the outside of my cup. So repent of your pride. And the second thing is decide whose approval you really want. Like, whose approval are you living for? At the source of pride, at the source of the prayer of the Pharisee, he is living for the approval of the wrong people. His prayer isn't centered around God at all. His prayer is centered around himself. He's living for the approval of of, of people around them, of people in the audience, of the other people that are in the temple, for them to all stand and go, wow, look at this righteous Pharisee who's not doing all of these things and doing all of these things, and he's playing by all the rules. And let me tell you something about rule following. Rule following is exhausting. So stop. Instead of following legalism, instead of following and being so committed to following rules, instead of doing all of that, would you just repent and say, God, I'm sorry for how I've lived my life. And instead of, instead of making it a big to-do of all these great things you've done, make a decision to say, I'm living for the approval of one. 
And that approval that I'm living for is for God. You're not living for the approval of your friends. You're not living for the approval of all the people that follow you on Instagram. You're living for the approval of God. And once you get there, there is a certain humility that happens that you go, okay, I no longer care about what my coworkers think. I no longer care what my, what my extended family thinks. I no longer care about outside perception of me. And instead, what the emphasis of my life is about is about pleasing the one who created me. So we've been doing this during this prayer series, and I think it's important that we slow down today and just have a moment of prayer together. And so uh, just some quick prayer points for you to consider today, and I'm going to give you a guided prayer through this. But maybe today you just say, God, I'm sorry for my pride, that you would just proclaim that to him today and say, just, and this, this is the word repentance, but really to make it simpler, it's just, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've made it about me and not about you, that I've made it about my achievement, not about your grace. And maybe today's the day you just say, God, I'm sorry that I've made it about me. Maybe it's today that you would ask God to help you to focus on who you are, your identity, not what you do or what you don't do. Maybe that's the awakening moment for you today to go, okay, God, my identity is not found in my mistakes. My identity is not found in my self-righteousness or in my rebellion. But my identity is found in, in who I am because of Jesus. And so you are, friend, a son or a daughter of the king. Maybe today is the day for you just to reclaim that identity to say, okay, God, I've made it about achievement and it needs to be about you. Or maybe today you would just say, God, I desire to live for the approval of you, not of others. The approval of God in your life, not of others, not of everybody around you. And so here's what I'd like to do for a moment. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me and take whatever posture you want in prayer. Maybe, maybe it's in this moment, you know, that you actually get on your knees and pray. Maybe it's in this moment that you, if you're sitting on your sofa or at a desk, you just open your hands up towards heaven for a second and just, just dwell with God for a moment. He's always with you, by the way. Like if you know Christ, he's always with you. But I think sometimes we don't make a home for him in our hearts like we should. And so I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Just with your hands open or you're, maybe you're kneeling or bowing or whatever it is that you feel comfortable doing and that you would just have a moment to meet with God and maybe we just pray this together. And I wanna give you a chance to pray. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna pause here and there just to give you a chance to talk back to God. But let, let's, let's pray together with heads bowed, eyes closed, just a real moment with God. Let's pray together. God, we acknowledge today that our hearts at times are full of pride. So God, we ask that you break us of that pride. God, we ask that um, you remind us that you're directly opposed to the proud. And so God, help us not to be proud about our achievements and what we've done in our lives, but instead, God, help us to have confidence in what you've done on the cross. Would you pray that today? Just in your own words, would you just tell God, thank you? Maybe in your own words, would you just say, God, I'm sorry? Just talk to him right now. Wherever you're at, would you just, out loud or in your own head, would you just, just proclaim this to him today? And maybe it is a prayer of repentance or just a prayer of God, I'm sorry.
Next, we're just gonna pray that God would help us to, to focus not our identity on what we do or what we don't do, that we would focus our identity not on um, the behaviors of our past or even the behaviors of our, of our current situation, but, God, but that we would look inside of our own hearts and ask God to give us the character that we need, to give us the integrity that we need, that we would not be living with a, a false identity of pride, but instead we walk in enough humility to recognize who our identity really is, is in and that identity that is really found in Christ. So I wanna give you a chance just to pray in your own words. God, help me to focus not on the, the, the approval of others, but on you. Would you just do that for, for, for a second? Just talk to God. And really our last prayer point is, is a tag on to the last one, which is God, I, I, we don't wanna live for the approval of other people. Instead, we wanna live for the approval of you. So just an extra emphasis today on God, help me not to go for the cheering section in my life all the time. I'm trying to get my parents to approve of me, my kids to approve of me, my boss to approve of me, strangers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to approve of me. But God, help every one of us to live for the approval of you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of this. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.